This morning we've had it all already, haven't we? We've had the drama, we've had the reverence, we've had the celebration, we've had the prayer. And in a way today, I don't need to say much. Josh, we are excited to hear your testimony of what God has done in your life. But today we are just going to spend a few moments together thinking through the next value from our vision. If you're new or here today to support Josh, then you won't know that we've been spending one week so far, but we've dedicated a month and we've called it Vision Month for us to think again at September, which is often an opportunity for the start of a new year to reconsider things and to go again. And today we're going to be thinking about believing. What does it mean to be a believing church? How do we move from being a people who merely accept the gospel in our lives to living a life of deep-rooted discipleship? And our focus here at Hope is to see a faith cultivated in each and every one of us that will see us through the storms of life because we are rooted and grounded in God's word. So we're just going to spend a few moments thinking about this from scripture together this morning before we hear Josh's testimony. But for those of us that were here on Wednesday night as we did life groups together, where we gathered in our life groups together also in this place, you'll know that we were thinking about the defining moment in the early church. That moment that changed the course of history for the church in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. And we saw, didn't we, a community of believers belonging. We saw them dedicate themselves to the, and devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And today we're going to think through what they did when they gathered together. They belonged to believe. We hear that they would meet together to break bread and to pray. And we're just going to think through what their gatherings around spiritual disciplines and around their intentionality to follow Christ meant. So we're just going to ask today, what does it mean to be a believing community in this place? But our focus will go beyond today. For those of you that were with us back in January, we, you know that we started the new year with an emphasis on belonging. We had our Family Matters series together, didn't we? We looked at the one another's of scripture. And then we had a partnership renewal right up to our church weekend away. And after our focus on vision leading us to Christmas, we're going to be really thinking about what it means to be a deep-rooted disciple. So if today doesn't go far enough for you, then be excited about what's to come as we think about being grounded in God's word, abiding in Christ, faithful in fellowship, a witnessing disciple and a true worshipper of Christ. But this morning, we're simply going to turn to the Psalms to think about and to capture the flavor of the love of Scripture. And often when you read the Psalms, you'll realize that it's grounded in the reality of life. There's often a lamenting psalmist who's asking, where are you, God, in amongst of all of this? And it's that context today that I want us to see again with fresh eyes the love of scripture that we should have here as a believing community. So I'm in Psalm 111, sorry, 119 even. Let's get the right scripture. Both the, long, the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible. And my encouragement today is I'm only going to read a few of those verses, but I'd love you to have it out with you as I keep referring to the passage. So there's some Bibles at the back or please get it up on your phones because I'm going to be talking about the life of Jesus, but keep referring to these verses and it'd be great for you to see what I am sharing. But what do we know about Psalm 119? We think it's written by Ezra, 
after the temple had been rebuilt and scripture reinstated. And you'll see as we go through, it's cleverly crafted and it's very repetitive in nature. It corresponds with a different uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet formed so that the people of God, the believing community, would memorize the scripture and therefore live from it. And as we read a few of these verses from verse 105 to 112 together, I want us to ask the question, what is the role of scripture for the community? So let's see as we read together. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your ways. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare before me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statues are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees until the very end. Here, what do we see in these verses? We see a psalmist declaring that he is committed to following God until the very end. He has suffered, yet his heart is directed and therefore glad. We know from an earlier verse in Psalm 119 that the psalmist declares that he delights in God's word, that he has made a choice not to neglect it. For us today, a believing community is a community that gathers delighted around God's word and makes an individual choice not to neglect it. A rooted and grounded faith, what we long to see in this place, is not based on emotions or life circumstances, but a choice to follow God right until the end, whatever life might throw at us. And if you've still got the scripture up, what you will see is the psalmist's intention. Let me say some of those intentions again. He has taken an oath. He has confirmed it. I will follow. Accept this from me, Lord. Teach me your ways. My heart is set. I will not be wavered even when suffering comes. Put simply, what do we see today? The role of scripture, God's word for us, will be a guide. It will illuminate our next step. God's word will guard us when suffering does come. And it's a resource that we can draw upon that gives us a reason to rejoice. The psalmist starts in the verses that we've read with the famous words, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God's word for us as a community and as individuals will guide us. In this world where there are so many distractions and darkness and things that will pull our attention away, we hear that the psalmist is comparing God's word to a lamp, a practice where a lamp was tied around a person's ankle to light up the very next step that was ahead of them. The path may become slightly clearer, but not the full picture or the plan. Therefore, we've got to be constantly in God's word asking him to be a guide for us. And I've spoken about in the past how much I love a plan and wouldn't it be amazing if God revealed everything to us? But we see in scripture, don't we, so many characters and figures where he just commands their next step. Noah, 
Here are the parameters. Build an ark, step by step. Mary, have my son. Step one, tell family, Joseph, Elizabeth. Then he will go on to be crucified, resurrected. Esther, at this moment, at this time, for such a time as this, I ha I'm putting you where you are. Moses, step one, talk to Pharaoh. Step by step, God's word is guiding us, revealing his plans and his purposes, producing disciples for the longevity that will withhold the test of time. And that's what our vision is to see in this place. When the storms of life come, we will have a firm foundation to stand upon. And when we talk about that, I picture the parable that Jesus tells. And we've had some stormy weather this week, haven't we? The parable where Jesus contrasts two builders and they both experienced the same storm. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the two houses that the builders had made. Yet one fell because of the foolishness of the foundation. The builder who built his house upon the sands, the one who heard Jesus' words but did not put them into practice, had nothing to stand on. Whereas the builder who Jesus said represents a firm foundation built upon hearing the word and applying it, was like a house built on the rock and withheld the storm. And the thing with this parable is that Jesus is explaining that the storm exposes something, which may have deceitfully looked on the surface like it was okay. And it's a sobering question for us, isn't it? Do you remember back in February, cast your minds back, we had some really stormy weather, didn't we? We had a red warning and we had this weekend where there was three storms, all named, the worst being Storm Eunice. Do you remember? I was on a study block week personally with college and there was so much drama. They sent us home a day early and they tried to make the right decision. They sent us home. I went to my mum's house. We were supposed to meet online and then we had so many power cuts that we had to abandon the day. But I was at my mum's and I wanted to show you a picture because there was this huge tree at the front of her close that fell down in that stormy weather. It's not a great photo, but it was very dramatic. I had to put it in family group chat for my siblings that weren't there. But what was incredible about this tree was it was so disproportionate. At the time I thought, how do these roots keep up a tree this big? But the reality is when the storm of life came, it didn't, did it? When the pressure came, the roots then became exposed. We saw them and the tree, the structure came falling down. For us, our vision is to have deep roots, disciples for the longevity. Because if we refer to the psalm that we've been talking about this morning, you may have it open in front of you. In verse 107, the psalmist talks about suffering. And we don't know what suffering the psalmist endured. It's kind of undefined. It's unnamed. All he says is, I have suffered much. Later in verse 110, he talks about the wicked setting a snare before him. But we're not too sure. But this thinking is this morning, if scripture becomes our guide, helps us know what our next step is, we read that suffering can uh, when times of suffering come, scripture can be a guard for us. And this reminds me again of a, an account in Jesus's life when he is tempted and he suffers and he finds himself in the wilderness. Let's remind ourselves of that for a moment. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
They were the words that sent Jesus, confirmed, commissioned, and encouraged, but led him to a deserted desert where he was tempted and tested. He was on empty, literally, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Here we see Jesus, hungry. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The tempter asks, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil goes again, this time peering out over the holy city with the highest view. And he says, if you are who you say you are, throw yourself down. And Jesus answers again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. A third time, a tantalizing view. This time, the offer from Satan, Jesus, I'll give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus declares, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil leaves him and angels attend to his every need. But how did Jesus, on empty, respond to the testing of the devil? Each time we hear, we read, it is written. Don't you know, scripture says, every time he was questioned or tempted, his response was of scripture. And when I'm reminded of Jesus's response in this way, it does make me wonder how deep my reserves are, how deep rooted I am. Because when I am on empty, am I rooted and grounded enough in scripture for this to be my first response? When I'm faced with conflict, hurt or anger, it's my first response. Blessed are those who persecute me. When I'm angered or incensed at the state of government or the lack of help for those who need it the most, is my response, my first response, to pray for those in leadership and to get involved. Today, as we're asking as a believing community, what is the role scripture is going to form us? What's it going to do? It's going to guide us. It's going to guard us. And our heart is for it to become our first response for whatever life sends our way. For us to be individuals and a community that are deep-rooted, that whenever the storms of life might come, we can stand firm. And if we allow scripture to guide us and to guard us, then in turn it will gladden us. Our souls can rejoice. If you're back in our sending passage of the psalm again, verse 111 speaks of the psalmist's joy in his heart. He doesn't speak of obedience, out of duty, but a real willingness to follow, not begrudgingly taking step by step that, with a heart that says, as we've read, teach me, Lord, your ways. Verse 108 says, Lord, willingly accept the praise of my mouth, even though the verse before talks about him suffering much. And we're going to be exploring this theme of even though, yet I will praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How the Lord loves to hear our voice of praise at Inspiring Women on Saturday, the 24th of September. Because it's, it's a discipline for us, isn't it? It's what the psalmist here and in Hebrew talks about offering God a sacrifice of praise. May the fruit of our lips openly profess his name. Today, if we're finding it hard to follow if we're finding it hard to use scripture as a guide and a guard, then my encouragement here is the psalmist is telling us to position ourselves by praising God. 
often at the start of a service or before we worship, we might say, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you have to say. Worship positions us to hear from God. What the psalmist here explains, expresses before God is his desire to have a teachable, teachable heart and a worshipful heart. Because what we're getting at here is longing to see a community that is ready to hear from God. Back over the summer, we had a parable series, didn't we, where Letty and Lydia helped us think through the parable of the four different soils. And I'm just going to end by reminding ourselves of this today, because we want us to consider what kind of soil are we cultivating in our own life? Because it was only the fourth soil, the good soil, that was receptive before God. Not the thorn congested soil, not the rocky soil, not the roadside soil. In the parable, the farmer who was Christ and the seed, the message of salvation, was the same. But the one variable was the condition of our hearts, the soil type. The roadside soil was hard and nothing could penetrate. The rocky soil produced shallow roots, an initial birth, burst of life, an initial joy. But when the difficulties of life and the storms of life came that we've talked about this morning, then Jesus warned about a superficial commitment to him that would wear off over time. Hardship reveals the reality of the heart. And then there was the thorn-congested soil, wasn't there? This dangerous, divided heart before God where the wealth and the worries of this world gradually, over time, matter more to us than Christ does. So we want to be a believing community where we see the word of God guide us, be our first response in times of trouble, and allow us to have a teachable heart before God, a good soil for a fertile soil for the gospel to grow and bear much fruit for the kingdom. Last week, we talked about how a belonging community is a shared responsibility for each and every one of us. And it's the same with believing. We are each responsible for our own walk with Christ. Yet as a committed community, we will commit to be together regularly studying God's word. We will provide tools to engage with scripture Sunday mornings, life groups, and in time, a way to meet together in smaller groups, to pray and to be accountable. We want to be a community that encourages and equips people to be spending regular time with God themselves, where each of us live a disciplined life, where we encourage one another to take an active partnership, where there are opportunities to serve him and to worship, positioning ourselves ready to learn so that each of us would stay alert to temptation, becoming quick to resist it, and knowing the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And today, in a way, there's no better way to consider what it means to be a believing community together than to hear a testimony from someone in the life of the church, standing, committing to say, yes, I want to be part of this family, and Lord, I want to follow your ways, like the psalmist declared, right until the very end. So I'm going to pray, and Josh, we're going to hear from you, your testimony, if that's okay.